Get your business together. Get yourself into what you do and see it through. Because being boss is hard. Blending work and life is messy. Making a dream job of your own isn't easy. But getting paid for it, becoming known for it, and finding purpose in it is so doable if you do the work. Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs from Emily Thompson and Kathleen Shannon. Welcome to episode 12, How to Be Boss Even When You Feel Like a Fraud, brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. Hey guys, so today's episode is all about being boss even whenever you don't feel like a boss. This episode is what to do whenever you feel like a fraud. Um, And those feelings include having no idea what you're doing or not being able to imagine why anyone would want to pay you money to do what you do. But first, an announcement. (laughs) We have decided to start a Being Boss YouTube channel. And if everything goes according to plan, this episode will be on YouTube. You can find that link um, on our show notes and on our website at lovebeingboss.com. So Emily and I decided to start a YouTube channel. We're crazy, Um, we know. (laughs) We just thought it would be a good way to get Being Boss out there to even more creatives. Um, We also thought it would be a good excuse to get dressed. Emily and I are usually recording these. Like, Emily's usually in her bed. Yeah. (laughs) I'm usually still in my robe, like, no bra on, no makeup. (laughs) We're close enough friends that, like, we can see each other like that. But um, we want to take it seriously. So we put on some – We got dressed. We put on some makeup. (laughs) Yep. I got out of bed. I came to the studio. Right. It's pretty legit. Um, What's cool about the YouTube channel – is that you are going to be able to see the entire unedited episode. So what did you call it, Emily? Being Boss Uncut. (laughs) (laughs) It just makes me giggle. So you can see the entire episode, probably some bloopers that we're usually editing out on our YouTube channel. Um, And before we move forward with our episode, I just want to remind you all and thank you all for reviewing us on iTunes. It really does help our ratings and it really does help us get to more people. So if you can just do us a huge favor and get on your computer, go to the iTunes Apple store and Uh click on podcasts, search for being boss (laughs) and just give us a little five star rating. Right. Um, or whatever, but we prefer the five stars. I mean, yeah. Like, please don't <laughs> give us a one or two. You're going to stand out. Right. <laughs> Maybe You're gonna be that guy. I don't want to challenge people to give us a one or two, so cut that mm-hmm. out. They'll see it on our YouTube, though. <laughs> but um, anyway, please go to iTunes and give us a rating or review. It really does help us. Uh, reach more creative entrepreneurs with being boss. Even if you're listening to us on SoundCloud or Stitcher, um, the iTunes ratings really do help. Okay, but let's go ahead and get into this episode, which is feeling like a fraud. Yeah, let's let's dive into it. So um, we had um, an email question, and it actually is this the one that came from Facebook. Do you want to read this out? Well, we have a ton. We have a ton of, so we didn't necessarily get an email question about feeling like a fraud, but I went on our Facebook group, which is now about 600 members. So that's another Mm -hmm. thing. If you want to join our Facebook, go to facebook.com slash groups slash being boss. It's a private Facebook group so that you can talk about your side hustle, even if you're still working a day job. Um, But we have a lot of activity going on in there. And I asked everyone in there, what makes them feel like a fraud? And here were just a few of the responses. Um, one person fe- said that she felt like a fraud whenever people question her prices. She said, sometimes when people question my prices, I get a mixed reaction of feeling angry slash self-doubt. She said, I just stick to my guns. But I think we all know, even when someone's like, why do you charge that? It can make you just bristle like up. Like clam up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we had someone else say, um, oh, it's absolutely having to do any kind with any kind of phone communication. I can talk to people face to face or through email all day long, but the phone just makes me angry and stuttery. I'm terrible on it. And I have a scheduled phone call with a national retailer tomorrow. 
That one surprised me just because I never, I mean, I have the things that make me feel like a fraud, but getting right. on the phone, I mean, sometimes I feel like a total spaz, but it doesn't make me feel like a fraud. <laughs> All right. Some other people said, if I start actively looking at what my competitors are doing, that's when I slip into my funk. Why bother? Someone else is already doing a great job. Oh my gosh, I can relate to that one. Yeah, me as well. Um, let's see, we had another one that said, I don't have an art degree and I've never sold my art before. I don't know at what point I will feel qualified to call myself an artist, especially when I look at others' art and it's so amazing. Someone else said, I'm struggling with feeling like a fraud right now. It happens when a potential, uh, or it happens when potential work never comes to fruition. Specifically, I've had a few potentials just never call me back. As in, we had great communication, talked about the project, I put the work on my calendar, and then I just don't hear from them again. Yeah, and I'm just realizing, too, everyone gets to see my facial expressions now of, like, oh, you right. things and me, like, making faces. So I know. Like we you can't... definitely have to go to YouTube now and watch Emily make faces at Kathleen, and then Kathleen's going to make faces at me, too. It's going to be great. Um, <laughs> so we had another one. Uh, for me, it's get stirred up when big things are happening. Moving into a launch phase, getting asked to speak at a conference, but OMG, what if they find out I'm a fraud? <laughs> And then my favorite one was someone who feels like a fraud when she can't believe someone is paying her to do the work that comes so easily to her, which, wow, hit me in the heart with that one. I get it. So Emily, I'm curious, what makes you feel like a fraud? Oh, all the things make me feel like a fraud. No, I think uh, my, my biggest fraudulent fears um, come whenever I try to look at my own big picture. So for me, I have, you know, I have grand goals for what I want to accomplish in my life. And one of those is I want to be a millionaire (laughs) and I want to invest in small businesses and help entrepreneurs um, reach their dreams in a bigger way than just building brands and websites, which is where, you know, I'm currently at in my like big life goals. Um, And though I'm getting much more uncomfortable or much more comfortable with that big dream, when I compared that to where I am now, I always have this moment where I'm like, who the hell do you think you are trying to like do all of these things or having such big goals? So um, I just, I kind of have to remind myself that it's in baby steps. But Or but do you ever I... feel like it's, um, like whenever I feel like a fraud with my big goals, it's mm-hmm. like, you should have figured this shit out already. Yeah. Like, like why aren't you feeling? there already? Like, you've been in this for five years. Why are you just, like, still doing brands and websites? But this is also, like, a 40-year goal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or those sorts of things. So, for me, like, looking at the big picture and setting big goals, which is something that I truly believe in, is setting really big goals for yourself. Um, I believe in it, but it doesn't mean that I don't look at my goals sometimes and think that I'm a total fraud. <laughs> Anything else that makes you feel like a fraud? Um, on on a smaller scale, just being asked to do projects, um, that are a little out of my comfort zone. Like if, um, if someone comes to me and wants a website that's a little bigger than the websites that I've built before, or if it's a, um, it's a consulting project where it's the, they're asking me to consult with them on things that I haven't personally done myself maybe, but I've seen other people do. So it's just like being asked to do things that are a little bit, a little bit out of my comfort zone. Um, but also, getting paid to do it. Sometimes I feel like a bit of a fraud. Mm-hmm. What about you, Kathleen? Um, you know, like whenever you were pitching the idea of this podcast, I was like, I, I really don't think I've had that feeling like a fraud feeling in a long time. So I really had to mm-hmm. dig deep. I've certainly had vulnerability hangovers. And whenever everyone else in our Facebook was listing out what makes them feel like a fraud, I was like, oh yeah, that definitely gives me funny feelings. Like speaking, Um, definitely a huge vulnerability hangover afterwards, but I never really feel like a fraud necessarily. So anyway, but, um, what I came up with was I feel like a fraud whenever there is a miscommunication or lack of clarity around expectations with my clients. So, um, for example, whenever a client thinks that they're going to come out of a branding engagement with me with a website, (laughs) Like, um, and usually it's clarified before even the contract phase, of course, but, um, 
whenever they're like, okay, so what about my website? And I'm like, oh, I don't do that. Let me hand you off to my friend, Emily. (laughs) She can do that for you. Um, so that always makes me feel just kind of awkward or, um, whenever someone wants me to read all of the books that they've written before I brand them. And it's like, I, I don't have time to read every book you've ever written before I brand you. Branding is about the outer layer of who you are, not about all the deeper content, but then it still makes me feel funny, like that they expected me to do that and I'm not delivering on it. Um, but okay, here's the thing that really makes me feel like a fraud. And it's whenever I am, um, feeling or being judgmental, um, or even jealous about someone else. So for example, like Marie Forleo is a genius, right? And nobody can deny that. But sometimes I'll look at her stuff and I'll be like, I mean, I could have said that anyone could have said that. Who does she think she is? Which right. in turn, like having negative feelings about other people are, it's usually like whatever negative feelings you're having about yourself. Yeah. And so then I can just turn it on myself and be like, who do I think I am? <laughs> so yeah. I guess that's whenever I feel like a fraud and it is kind of seeing what I want. So yeah, I want to be like Marie Forleo. Who doesn't? Or at least sure. have that kind of success with that kind of product. Um, so I see what I want and I'm just not there yet. And it... I guess that I, again, I don't know that it's feeling like a fraud, but it certainly doesn't feel good. We're saying all of this and being super open about our fraudulent feelings. Um, just to sort of illustrate that, that it's, that's kind of part of the process and, and you, you have to like move past it. So let's, let's talk about how to move past. Well, I was going to say even just in that fa- in our Facebook group thread there, whenever I ask people, it makes you feel like a fraud. I mean, we probably had over 30 comments. Yeah. And just everyone else replying, they were like, wow, I didn't realize that everyone else had these feelings. So it is kind of shining a light on that. Uh, shining a light on those feelings will make it feel less bad. Yes. So, oh, yeah. Well, and, and I think I think this podcast is a perfect example. Like Kathleen and I, I pitched this cat this podcast to Kathleen three months ago. Yeah, it was only three months ago, and we both had moments where like, who are we to like to do a podcast one? Because neither of us had ever like done a podcast, and who are we to share this content with people? And who's going to listen to it? I mean, we definitely had these like. Fraud feelings, or there's like another word. So for you it. know what? I mean, it's self doubt. It is feeling That's like all a fraud is. is is feelings of self doubt. And so, what I would do if you're feeling like a fraud, or you have imposter syndrome, or you are feeling jealous, um, is to really figure out why you feel that way. So, like, ask yourself why. Why do I feel like a fraud right now? And really look at the triggers or the behaviors that are sparking these feelings. Like what is literally happening whenever you feel this way? So someone else in the Facebook group said every time she talks to her mom and her mom doesn't understand her job as a creative entrepreneur, and I think a lot of our parents don't, but that it makes her feel like a fraud. And so if that happens every time you talk to your mom, find and she said that afterwards she'll call her best friend who totally gets what she's doing it's like maybe just save the creative entrepreneur conversations for just your best friend um or if um for me it happens whenever like one of my triggers and behaviors that's happening whenever I feel these feelings is whenever I'm just consuming other people's work and especially whenever I'm looking at not necessarily competitors because I don't I don't really believe in competitors. I feel like there's enough room for everyone. And that's my hippie woo-woo self coming out. <laughs> but certainly feeling like, oh, I wish I was there already. Um, yeah. So it's time to get back to work. But that gets into <laughs> later in our show notes, right. all the other we'll stuff we're going to talk about. Second. I can't help it. I'm jumping ahead of myself. No, it's fine. Um, well, and, and, and I agree with that completely. Like you have to figure out what it is that you're doing that's making you feel like a fraud and figure out how you can fix it. Um, one, of the, one of the ways that I like to think about it is the idea that everything you do in life, like everything you do from like learning how to sit up to making your first big investment is the first time you've done it. 
And so I think a lot of people have that, that the feeling of being a fraud whenever they're asked to do something they've never, they've never done before, or especially if they're getting paid to do something that they've never actually done exactly like that before. Um, but that's just, that's just part of the process is you have to sort of get out of your comfort zone and, um, and do, do new things and get over that like self doubt and those fraudulent feelings. I'm just going to start calling them fraudulent feelings. Can I call them that? Yeah. That sounds like fun. So it's um, funny because you were talking about, like, you have to learn how to do things for the first time. And mm-hmm. obviously with my one-year-old, and I don't know if you experienced this with Lily, who is now seven. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, watching our kids try new things for the first time. Fox is so little that he ha- he's not self-conscious at all about trying new things. He just gets mad about it. And maybe that's how I feel whenever I'm trying new things. Like I just get mad about it. So I think that speaks to like perfectionist tendencies. But then, so it's interesting, like what we can learn from our kids who are trying things for the first time. Like what is, how does Lily approach things? Like, will she give up if she can't do it good the first time or does she keep trying? Um, it depends on what it is. I mean, she's, she, she always makes me really proud of like how persistent she can be, which is both pride and anger sometimes at how persistent she can be. But she definitely has moments where she'll be doing something just to sort of like have a moment of temper tantrum of like, oh, I can't do this. <laughs> but, but it's kids bounce back so easily. And, and I, like, I'm sad that adults lose that, right. I guess, as, as you get older is, um, you let frustration stop you. Whereas kids will let frustration, they'll deal with it for a minute, and hopefully they'll they'll just do it again until they get it right. Um, and I think that's that's kind of part of it is they don't let this sort of self doubt or fear of of being unworthy or whatever um, stop them from trying again and again and again until they get it right. Yeah. So I was going to say like that. I think that one way to conquer feelings of um, fraudulent feelings. <laughs> um, is to, is to stop trying to get better at the stuff that you suck at and just focus on the stuff that you're really good at. But what we were just saying here makes me question that actually, because kids try over and over and over again, even if they suck at something, they keep trying. So I guess it's, um, stop trying to get better at the stuff you suck at if you hate doing it. Yes. That's what I was about to say. It's, it's not about whether or not you're good at it. It's whether or not you like doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, um, if you want to learn how to code a website or something and you are, and I don't, know, right. <laughs> you are determined to do it. Um, but you get into it and you really hate it. Like, don't, you know, do some soul-sucking suck, work to do something that you don't want to do. Find someone to do it and you go find something you want to do. Um, my big thing is is always be learning. Always be learning. But also learning what you like to do and what you don't like to do. So wasting tons of money to go back to school to be a, I don't know, a graphic designer when you actually hate being a graphic designer and you want to find something else is, is a waste. Like find the things that you want to learn and then learn them. Um, and it, it always kind of baffles me how that, that idea of being like a lifelong learner is always kind of put on the back shelf. Like I'm one of those people. I love to learn new things. Love to. And a couple of months ago I told David, I was like, um, I need to learn like this new like web coding language. Like it's just a thing I feel like for me to move forward, I just need to learn it. And he kind of like looked at me kind of funny and he's like, it always kind of baffles me how okay you are with just like learning something new. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) Like, why wouldn't you just want to go learn something new? And I think, I think having that mindset of just never stopping learning something new is so important for, for moving forward and just constantly being a sponge of what's going around you, but also what you feel about the things that you're learning is really important. All right, let's pause for a second and talk about our sponsor, FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the easy-to-use invoicing software designed to help creative entrepreneurs get organized, save time invoicing, and get paid faster. But I like to think of FreshBooks as my personal accountant. I actually use and love FreshBooks. I started using FreshBooks about four years ago when I was still freelancing as a solopreneur. I knew I needed to track my income and expenses, and whenever I researched all the different accounting software out there, FreshBooks just truly felt the most intuitive and the easiest. But in the time that I've been using FreshBooks, the functionality of it has grown, and it is so legit and robust. 
even as my business has grown, FreshBooks always accommodates my business needs. So now we use FreshBooks as the financial hub of our business. Stay on top of your business with a clear picture of its financial health and try FreshBooks for free today. Go to freshbooks.com slash being boss and enter being boss in the how did you hear about us section. I think that you and I have both read enough books from experts and probably the one thing that they all have in common is they're all constantly learning something new. I don't know that it's necessarily tech skills or like no. a skill necessarily. I think especially the maybe the older you get, what is old dog new tricks? Right. <laughs> right. We are horrible at, at, I know. at those we sayings. Just we like should just stop. Not trying. <laughs> My sister always makes fun of me. She says that I'm like, she, she jokes that, you know, I just sound like English isn't even my first language when it comes to like <laughs> idioms and cliches because I never, I always mix them and I never know what they are. Yeah, I um, do. It's fine. Okay. So what I was going to say about that though, is that there's something so liberating. Like it's nice to always learn more. And I think that just reading new books and watching Ted talks, that kind of stuff is really great again. But that's the stuff that sometimes makes me feel bad. Like yeah, it can I'm, be intimidating. I'm not there, but so I was going to say there's something like liberating about just letting it go. And so my example of this, um, and like the stop doing stuff that you suck at is whenever I was still working in advertising, my sister was actually my creative director. Um, and I worked in advertising for five years and she has like her background is in, we both have a background in graphic design and then she went more into the copywriting route and I went more into the like hardcore graphic design side of things. And, but she could do it all. And I felt like whenever I was working under her, she expected me to do it all, which I think she kind of did. And she was trying to groom me to become a copywriter and I would try and it was just awful. Like, especially ad copy is <laughs> awful. I, I'm just not good at it. I love writing for my blog and I love writing for talks and stuff like that and like writing out our agendas for this podcast, but I cannot write ad copy to save my life. And I still don't write our client ad copy, even though I think maybe I could now, but, um, after just watching Tara and our brand director Liz do it for so long. Anyway, I remember one day just saying, I think I was crying and I came to her <laughs> and I said, I just can't do copy. And she was like, you know what? let's just take you off of trying to ever even do copy, stop trying to figure it out and just focus on design. And it was so liberating. It was like, I didn't realize what a weight had been on me until it was lifted. And so I would challenge and invite our listeners to ask yourself, like, what have you been trying to do that you don't like doing that you could just liberate yourself from if you just said, I'm going to stop doing this thing? Yeah. I, I have a perfect example of that as well. So a couple of years ago, I guess, I don't know, two years ago. Yeah. Two years ago, I'd sort of like hit a ceiling in my business where like I was doing all the work and I was, um, making as much money as I could because I couldn't work anymore. I needed to like figure out what I needed to change in my business. And it was one of those things where I was doing like the financial side of my business. I was doing all the invoicing and I was doing like all the money things. I was even like prepping for taxes. I was doing like all of that gross stuff myself. And, um, and I remember sitting down with David one day, this is whenever David became my like business manager. Um, I sat down with David one day and I was like, I can't do this. Like I cannot run a business like this. And it's like, I felt like a fraud, like trying to run a business. I knew nothing about like finances and like how to, how to run the financial side of a business. And so it was one of those moments where I just sort of had to sit down with him and say, what do we need to do to fix this? Because I was sucking at managing like the money side of my business and doing all of the client work on top of it. And, and that was the point where David said, don't worry about it anymore. Like I will take over the side of your business and I will do it for you and I will get your budget figured out and I will take care of your bookkeeping. And two years later, he runs the, the business side of my business completely by himself and does a fantastic job at it. And so now I don't have to feel like, a fraud entrepreneur who's trying to build a business but can't even handle my own bookkeeping <laughs> because I was able to stop doing the thing that I was really sucking at and hand that off to someone else so that I could be really amazing at what I was good at. 
Yeah, I think that whenever it comes to being a business owner and wearing a lot of hats, which you、mm -hmm. do at first, um, you can really feel like a fraud whenever you don't know it all. But、yeah. here's the deal: to be an expert, you don't have to know it all, and to be a good business owner, you don't have to do it all. So, I think that it just comes down to getting really clear on what you are best at. Getting really clear on your core genius and rocking that out. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I completely agree with that. Finding finding that clarity for yourself is huge, and I agree with the expert comment.、Um, I remember whenever I first started working with Braid a long time ago, you guys like made me like sit down and claim my like web design expertise because I was having a problem like calling myself an expert for no good reason. I was doing it, and I was launching websites, and I had clients who loved me and loved the websites that I was giving them. But it was like one of those self doubt things. Like, can I really call myself an expert? And I felt like a little bit of a fraud. Saying that until you guys like sat me down and was like Emily, <laughs> you've got to own this because you can't move forward until you own your expertise. And I remember like sitting down with it and like having like thoughts <laughs> about it. And I remember coming to the realization that claiming you're an expert doesn't mean that you're claiming that you know everything.、It、doesn't mean that you're claiming to be fault free or that you can answer everyone's questions. And I remember writing a blog post and saying something to the effect of even superheroes need side. Kicks. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, because it's true. It's true. I mean, you, claiming your expertise or or moving forward in your business doesn't mean that you are not going to make mistakes. You can't live your life or build a business without making occasional mistakes.、Um, and once you can wrap your head around that and get used to it, it's all fine and dandy. <laughs> so I guess, like, I'm thinking here that the opposite of feeling like a fraud is probably feeling like an expert. And so many people put that. Title expert on a pedestal, and they attach a story to it. And so, whenever I think about an expert, I think about someone who knows everything, someone who never makes mistakes, so essentially someone who is perfect.、Yeah. And that doesn't exist. Nope. <laughs> Perfection is not real. And so,、yeah. I think、um, if you can just redefine. I mean, we've talked in earlier episodes about redefining professional. It is being able to embrace your expertise. By defining what that looks like for you, so、um, we have an entire section in our braid e-course about just embracing your expertise and what、mm -hmm. that really means. And in one part, we talk about how、um, for every like if you're an expert, like let's say you're a fourth grader and you want to be an expert fourth grader. You might feel really bad if you're looking at high school students and you're like, "Oh, but they're so much better than me." But here's the deal: there are always third graders and second graders and first graders to your fourth grader.、Yeah. So sometimes to be an expert, you just need to be two steps ahead of who you're helping. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. That's exactly what it means.、Um, Oh, this is something I felt a lot recently as I'm like moving into much more of a coaching role. Is that I don't have it all figured out, and actually, even this podcast, like we tell people this all the time, we do not have this all figured out. Like, if we did, we would be millionaires right now, and we would be like, we would not be recording a podcast. We'd be laying on a beach with cocktails. That's not true. So I started listening to. <laughs> we would we would be doing the work. I think we would if we were millionaires. Yeah. Um, I'm just gonna throw that out there. Yes. But I was listening to the Ask Gary. Gary V show、yeah. yesterday that his podcast and he did. I'm, I was just putting it all together because I'm not familiar with his work, which now I feel stupid because、oh, he's, he's like a, a big deal.、Yeah. The book and you mentioned it to me before, Emily. It's called Jab Jab, 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 jab right, right Hook. Okay, so I was listening to his podcast and he talked about that book and、mm -hmm. I actually so I was on a walk with my baby pushing the stroller listening to his podcast and he said、um, and this just yesterday. He goes. If you're calling yourself an entrepreneur and you're not working 16 to 17 hours a day, you are full of shit. And I'm sitting、What? there, like walking my baby in this really nice weather, thinking about like our podcast and listening、right. to this podcast and just trying to continually learn more about growing my business and being an entrepreneur and investing and all that. And I'm, I'm in the middle of the day. It's 3 p.m. and I'm taking my baby for a walk. Yeah. And I was like, well. I'm not working 16 or 17 hours a day. Am I full of shit? And well, so, are you though? Like, you have to think about that too, because I usually spend about eight hours a day at the studio, 
generally. Um, sometimes more. I definitely will pull a 12-hour day occasionally. Um, but only because I sincerely love what I do. And I look at the clock and I'm like, oh my god, it's like 8 o'clock at night. It's dark outside. Like, we've been having so much fun. Um, but whenever I leave the studio, quite often I go home and I go upstairs to the bedroom. And I usually give myself like 30 minutes of like defrost time. <laughs> Where right. like I just need to like get in the headspace of like home life. But that means that I have my iPad and I'm going through Instagram and I'm liking all the being boss photos or I'm on Twitter um, tweeting or reading or retweeting or whatever. Like I'm still kind of working. And then I'll go down to dinner and after dinner, um, David and I will sit and talk about what we're doing the next day or what our big plans are or what our big next big move is. So in a lot of ways, like I may not be hardcore hustling. 17 hours a day, but I'm definitely like in the entrepreneurial mindset. Yeah. 16 to 17 hours. Except I actually sleep a lot though. So I'm not even awake 17 hours a day. (laughs) You know, and I wonder like how much of it, again, I I know I bring this up and I know that lots of guys listen to our podcast too, but I wonder if it is something with us being women and moms with a family. I mean, yeah. sorry, Gary V, but I can't work 16, 17 hours a day whenever I have a one-year-old baby. And But even if you don't have kids, you are still an entrepreneur and you can still be an expert without working 16, 17 hours a day. And right. I like that he challenged my thinking on that and he challenged my work ethic because then I could come back around and feel really good about what I'm doing. Because like you said... I'm my job and being boss, this podcast, it's like my baby and I'm working on it really hard too. And I'm constantly thinking about it. So I just thought it was kind of um, interesting that that, right. Well, I don't feel like a fraud entrepreneur because I'm not in the studio 17 hours a day. So I'm going to erase that like variation or that version of, um, of entrepreneur and use my own (laughs) with no self-doubt about it. No self-doubt about it. (laughs) All right. So let's talk about like how to deal with this, this fraud mindset a little bit more Um, and talk about some like good habits you can get into to just constantly battle the, the thoughts that pop into your head about why am I doing this or who do I think I am trying to do this? You go first. Me go first. Um, So for me, um, I love to do this like test and change thing. And I do this a lot with my clients. I have a couple clients I think that at this point are kind of tired of hearing it (laughs) because one of my biggest philosophies for simply like moving forward in business and really doing anything is that you're never going to get it right the first or you're rarely going to get it right the first time because we are not born with all information in our brains. We are not like these all knowing beings. (laughs) That's not what we do. Um, so it's just about being okay with testing and changing. And if you put something into play, whether that's a new service or pricing structure or how you send emails, and if it doesn't work for you, change it. And I think being nimble like that in your life and business is huge for, for recognizing that any fraudulent feelings (laughs) you may be having can be temporary or at least shut them down because you're learning. Um, and I think, I think you actually do become a fraud if you are okay with not learning anymore and not testing. Yes. Like whenever you think, you know, all the answers, that's when you're probably a fraud. No, you are because Um, you don't know all the answers. Okay. So (laughs) I think that both of you and I are really good about launching before we're ready. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what keeps a lot of creative entrepreneurs from actually doing this thing is that. They want everything to be ready and they want everything to be perfect. And I coach a lot of creatives who want things to be perfect and ready out of the gate. And so even this podcast, we just kind of (laughs) made it happen. But here we are 12 episodes in and we've got, we're we're figuring it out. Um, Even with the YouTube video, we were talking about um, how we need to have an intro and maybe we do some like voiceover over a slide. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to deal with editing it, but I want to get it up. So maybe next time we'll do that, or maybe next time we'll have like a little being boss cardboard (laughs) image that we can hang up um, in front of the screen so that we can do less editing. But again, like I think it is about kind of, um, you said test and change. I think it's Mm -hmm. also launching before you're ready Yeah, and just kind of stepping into it. So I'm reading, um, is it Anne Lamott or Annie Lamott? 
Oh, I don't know about Okay, know. so her name is Anne Lamott, and she wrote a book called Bird by Bird, and I'll be sure to include that in the show notes. And it's for writers, and she's writing on writing and how to become a better writer. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that she talks about are your shitty first drafts. And um, Becky Murphy, who's a friend and illustrator, she gives a whole talk. She gave a whole talk at the Circles Conference. I'll, I'll include a link to that about... Um, embracing your shitty first drafts also. (laughs) And so I think that is part of it is just having a shitty first draft and being Mm -hmm. okay with it and knowing that you can always go back and change and update later. Yeah, definitely. I mean, everything I've ever launched, everything you've ever launched, I mean, everything is, it's always a first draft or at least like maybe third draft sometimes. Um, But even then, like I launched Indie Boom a year ago. It was a program that I just sort of like made up, (laughs) but based on like all the work that I'd done with my clients. And then when I relaunched it this year, it looked different. Like welcome to draft number two Yeah, because you test it and then you change. So I tested it for a year with my clients and I saw what worked and what didn't. So whenever I relaunched it, I erased all the like pieces that didn't work as well and replaced them with the ones that did. Um, and that's just, that's how you play the game. Yeah. I think at um, Braid, what we do is we're kind of more like refining and tweaking as we go. And so with the Braid method, we send out a start deck where we're asking certain questions. We're constantly refining that deck so that we can ask better questions. Yeah. Um, So again, tweaking and refining as you go. Nothing is permanent and everything is always changing. Yes. Oh, actually, a great example of this. So, did you see the Apple keynote recently? No. Oh, Kathleen, I need you to get nerdier, please. (laughs) (laughs) I have thought about subscribing to yesterday on my walk after listening to Gary Vee telling me that I'm full of shit because I work 16 hours a day. Um, I thought, I need to start subscribing to, like, Fastco and... Yeah, What's Ink another Uncensored. One? Oh, yeah, Ink. Ink Uncensored is my favorite podcast at the moment. I love it. It's a really quick one, and they just talk about like the business landscape uh, really quickly, like a couple of like business news. It's really great. Um, and and I will just sort of to say something nicer about Gary Vee for a second. I love his book, and I, I need you to read it, Kathleen. Oh, I know. So I yeah. knew that you read it. So I was like, either Emily can give me the cliff notes, or I and I should say this too because I actually really enjoyed everything he was saying. And <laughs> he cusses a lot, and I was like, oh, and we cuss, so like maybe yeah. we need to cuss more. But okay, note he does not have the little red e next to his <gasps> podcast. Shame on him. And he, literally every other word he's cussing. Which I don't have a problem with at all. I love it. Right. But it made me think, like, we need to get the little red E off of our... No, I love it. It's like a badge of courage for me. <laughs> like, I, I can say whatever it. I want. I can. And now no one can get mad at me about it. <laughs> it's perfect. So, no, I do love his book, though. Um, and just to, like, give that a shout out while we're talking about it. As far as social media goes, I, I read his book over Christmas. And I made, I made Chris read it in the studio as well. Um, and started, like, implementing some things. And, like, more than doubled my Instagram following in two months. Wow. Like, just based on, like, the knowledge that's in that. And we've been, like, doing some things on Twitter and Facebook, too. Um, and it's huge. Hey, like, you so- know what else will double your Instagram following? What? Have a baby. Oh, I know, right? No, thanks. <laughs> I don't need Instagram followers that bad. <laughs> you did, though. You you really like grew a, a mom following on I Instagram. I grew a big mom following when after you had I had a baby. baby. But I try not to post photos of him anymore. Sorry, I keep derailing the conversation. So what it's were you going to say? It's, um, I don't remember. I was talking about Gary Vee. The book is good. but it Jab, was jab, something. right hook. You were talking about social media... Test and change. I don't know. Regardless, it'll probably come back to me in a minute. Um, another thing that I like to do whenever I'm feeling like a fraud is to sit down and find proof that I'm not. <laughs> because yes, there is huge. tons of proof that you're not. Self-doubt is one of those feelings that will just come out of nowhere. Like, I can go home and want to make a thing of soup and, like... I'm good at making soup, <laughs> but like self doubt feelings can occasionally just sort of creep up. Um, and the, the key I think is to, to like put them to rest. Um, just simply like find whatever proof you need. So if someone is contacting you to do a project, um, and for example, the comment that said she couldn't believe someone was wanting to pay her for something so easy, it's easy for you, but is it easy for them? And is it going to be worth it for them to pay you to do it? And if people have paid you to do it in the past and they've gotten really great results, there's your proof. It's worth it for someone else to pay you to do it. And so you can sort of create those like little proof scenarios 
constantly in anything um, where you can prove to yourself that those self-doubt feelings that you're having are totally just bullshit. Okay, can I share an actual exercise that people can do to find Please proof? do. Okay, so this is an actual exercise that we take our Braid Method clients through. What I want you to do, unless you're driving or working out, but maybe later, get out a sheet of paper and draw two big circles on it that are overlapping in the middle. And on the left circle, um, label it past. And on the right circle, label it future. And I want you to write down five of your biggest victories ever, but or it could be more business related. So five big victories in your past that have already happened. And that's kind of what you were talking about, Emily, your proof. Mm -hmm. I also think that, again, we talked about feeling like a fraud whenever we're trying new things or whenever we have a whole bunch of ideas of things that we want to accomplish and we don't know how to get there. So in your future circle on the right, I want you to write down like five big dreams, right? And so Emily, you even said that you get overwhelmed whenever you get lost in your big picture Mm -hmm. and it can make you feel like a fraud. So I want you to put those kinds of big dream visions, like the who do I think I am dreaming this big (laughs) vision. I want you to put that in the right circle. And then the middle overlap is like your present priorities. And these are the things that you need to focus on to get where you wanna be. And so some of it is honoring your past accomplishments, but also kind of like moving forward from them, but taking what you can from it and bringing it into your present overlap. So like, for example, um, I... I don't really have a good example. <laughs> I have a good example. Okay. I have a good So, So going back to the same comment about she can't believe people are paying her to do what she does so easily. Yeah. Um, one of my, let's, let's, good example. One of my past ones is just the fact that I've been coding websites for five years. Actually, I've been coding websites for like 12 years. Nope, probably more than that. Very long time. So at this point, for, and that's like a past accomplishment. Like, I am an expert at coding some websites. And so what's a um, big future vision? A big future vision is to, oh, is to build out my studio so I don't have to code as many websites anymore which is a, is a big goal of mine so that I don't, I don't want to be a 40-year-old web designer. That is not my goal in life. So for me, it's to set up enough in the studio so that I can, I can do designs or maybe have someone else do designs one day and have someone else code it. So have a, have a studio that doesn't need me um, as much as it currently needs me. So I think a really great overlap in that, and well, that is the overlap, is I have the experience and I have the future goal and um so what so would your present proof? overlap like the proof from the past and then the future vision like how do, how would you say that those combine in your present priorities i think it's just just teaching like i need to to take how i code things and how i do it really efficiently and cleanly and turn it into um almost like a teaching module that i can teach someone here or maybe maybe even a future e-course who knows about about how it is that that I code websites and in that proof piece in that um, I think in going back to the idea of having people pay me um, to do something that I can do easily like I can code a website up so clean and so fast um, and I, I love doing it like I get really nerdy and I hunker down here with my blanket and my like hot tea and I will code for like four hours and then I'll have a site almost done in just a couple of hours um, I used to feel bad about the fact that people paid me to do something that I did so easily. But I also remember how long it took me to gain the experience to do it as quickly and as easily as I want. And that sort of proof piece, I don't care. You will pay me a ton because it will be be coded cleanly and very quickly. (laughs) Okay, so here's one for me that um, kind of maybe brought up some fraudy feelings, which is, um, as I was fraudy taking feelings. fraudy We're feelings, changing it to fraudy feelings. <laughs> um, whenever I was taking our clients through the braid method, it would get really personal, really fast. And that's whenever Tara and I noticed in our work that there is a huge blend in our personal lives and our professional lives and that who we are at work, um, affects how we live at home. So I decided to get life coach training with Martha Beck. And so I'm in a seven-month training with a bunch of other what they call cadets. And you're supposed to get 30 hours of training and of like practicing life coaching. And so I thought, well, if I'm going to get 
do 30 hours of training, I want to get paid at least a little bit for it. So I launched a small life coaching offering and I think I was literally charging maybe like 30 bucks a session. Um, now I charge at least $2,500 for like a six week session. So, um, it's quite significantly more. And I grew, I grew that number from $30 a session to $2,500 for six sessions in about, I would say a year. Mm -hmm. And I was still watching some of the other cadets though, who were really talented, but maybe didn't quite have the platform that I had not get any clients. And so I started to feel funny, but then I think it's embracing that I'm just naturally, it's a, it's a natural talent, the coaching, and I love doing it and it comes easily and I'm getting clients. Why am I feeling bad about it? Mm. Um, so I think that's it is it came too fast. So I, well, think, and, that and I think that that's it, if I may, yeah. because I think, I think what, where your proof comes from is the work that you've done and what has probably happened. And I, I don't know these other people, but maybe they didn't get gung ho about, about starting that expertise as quickly as you did or, or market it as much, or the fact that you had been blogging for how many years exactly, and, like, and building up that following so that you had the people to pitch it to that actually purchased it. So I think proof comes from just looking in the past and seeing all the work that you have done and like realizing if it's actually worth it. And I think in your case it's definitely worth it because you have the experience behind you to like be that proof and they just don't have that experience or they're not doing the work now to prove that they have that experience. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Totally makes sense. <laughs> Um, one of the other things I think you can do whenever you have fraudy feelings, fraudy feelings, <laughs> is to get really clear on what you're doing, to define your role, and write it down on paper. And so Tara and I are constantly having little summits with each other where we're talking about the future of Braid, but we're really talking about our roles within our organization. And so even recently, this last weekend. We had one of those tough business conversations where we were talking about, um, my sister and I were talking about being boss and Emily and I, like we were talking about our partnership mm -hmm. and what that means for Braid, what it means for Indie Shopography, what it means for the future of being boss. What if we want to expand and grow this beyond being boss? How does that work? And so just getting really clear on your role. And okay, so another example, even when we started this podcast, I was like, okay, we can do a podcast, but I am not going to edit it. Like, I just know that that's not my strength. And you were yeah. like, it's cool. I can do it. And we naturally fell into um, a leadership roles, but like within our own ways of mm -hmm. what we're doing for the podcast. So I think that that's been really cool. Um, just... I, I guess, testing it out and yeah. changing and tweaking along the way and seeing what rises to the top. So that's sure. another one is just, just give it time and see what rises to the top. Yeah. See what you're good at. See what you suck at or simply don't want to do. Um, and, and go from there. I agree. I think clarity, I feel like clarity plays such a huge role in everything that we talk about. Um, but I think it's clarity with, with what you do like in your business, but also clarity in what you do for your clients. Because I feel like a lot of those fraudy feelings come whenever, whenever expectations from clients end up being miscommunicated or not communicated or whatever that may be. Clarity in all parts of your business, I think will, um, will keep those self doubt feelings from coming up because you're clear on what you're doing. <laughs> yes. So I, I want to talk about boundaries for half a second. Wait, um, sorry, I have to interrupt mm -hmm. one more thing because it's on your list and you didn't really cover it, but I think it's really important is to trust that you'll know what to do when the time comes. Trusting yourself is huge whenever it comes to embracing your expertise. It is. It is. And I wrote that down. I can't believe I missed that one because that's like my shining one today is, um, is I believe so much in trusting that you will know the answers when the time comes. Um, so for me, um, with my big dreams of like investing in businesses and like really sort of helping entrepreneurs for the rest of my life, um, and these really big dreams that I have, whenever I have these like 
fraudulent feelings. Um, I always, I always have to sit and like stop myself and say, okay, Emily, right now your core purpose is doing, is rocking out indie boom projects for your clients. And you will know what the next step is when the time comes. And that sort of helps me like dissipate whatever, whatever fraudy feelings I'm having, because I simply trust that the path will will illuminate itself for me. No, as it's I go so along. true. It is so true. And I have found it more and more in my business. Whenever I set an intention and I say it out yeah. loud for what I want. So okay, let's talk about this, Emily. Um Perfect. three four years ago we decided we wanted to do a workshop together. Yep. Total failure. Completely Total failure. flopped. We had one person sign up and we refunded. We refunded them. <laughs> but now, what, four years later, yep. we have this platform where we're actually planning on having a little retreat. Yeah. And it's probably going to happen. If yep. not, we're still going to no, It's hang- going to happen. What are you talking we're about? We're going to hang out on the beach together either way. But yes. um, now it might actually happen. It happened four years later. Yeah. So you have to let things, we did the work and Mm -hmm. you have to let things unfold on their own timeline and just trust that by having that idea in the first Mm -hmm. place is enough. Yes. Um, I mean, obviously you have to do the work. Imagine if we had stopped. Imagine if we had not done anything else ever again because we failed that one time. I mean, we kind of did stop that. I never knew. I could have never imagined that it would have come Mm -hmm. full circle, but we did the work. And so I, I'm, I'm saying contradicting things. And (laughs) I think that that brings up something else. Put a pin in that thought because it brings up something else that someone else on our Facebook said. But, um, um, I think that, you know, we talk so much about doing the work, but sometimes having an idea is enough. Mm-hmm. And you have that idea, you let the path unfold along the way. And because you have the idea, you can spot it a little bit easier whenever the opportunity arises on your path. Yeah. So, um, so the opportunity has arised again for us right. and we're going to make it happen. And so do that. But I wanted to mention really quick that someone else on our Facebook, um, she is a, like a holistic nutritionist and she's a good friend of mine. So I'm just going to say her name. I don't think she'll mind, but my friend Claire, um, she has a website called vidiacleanse.com and I'll include it in the show notes. But one of the things that she struggles with is being a very highly spiritual person, but then also being a businesswoman. And I think a lot of yogis and, um, wellness professionals struggle with this because, they don't know how to balance their desire to do good in the world with their desire to make bank. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I see that a ton too. So Claire said that she was talking to her um, like Ayurvedic coach and her coach said, listen, you just need to embrace these dualities in yourself. You are going to have contradictions in yourself. And if you can embrace them, you won't feel like a fraud anymore. So I love that. Uh, I thought it was really valuable. I completely agree with that. High five. High five. High five. And amen. Um, so, so going back, though, for a second, with the idea of setting these goals. So you and I had a goal a couple years ago that we were going to do this workshop. We set the goal. We tried it then. It didn't work. But it was still something that was, like, on our horizon. Like, we never – like, I never emailed you and said, you know what, Kathleen, this failed. I never want to speak to you again. <laughs> Like it wasn't anything like that. I mean, we, we shut it down and we just sort of didn't talk about it for a while. And we like kept on our path, like working our little asses off, doing what we do and keeping in touch and becoming really good friends. So we set these goals and then you just sort of have to take baby steps. And I think, I think one of the best things that you can do, and this works better for like more short-term goals sometimes than long-term goals, because like I said, the, the path, you'll figure it out as you go. But for short-term goals, it's about defining those baby steps because baby steps are much easier and less intimidating to take than the big steps to whatever big goal that you finally take in. So if you like really want to get over these fraudy feelings, then then define those baby steps and then do the work. (laughs) Like actually start making it to your goal. Yeah. Get out of your head and actually do the work. So like you and I could have been like, oh, let's start a podcast and spend three months just planning it. But you know what we did? We literally got on the phone the next day and hit record and launched our podcast. 
Was it perfect? No, No. but it doesn't matter because now we're actually doing it. So I think that's a huge part of it. Definitely had moments too where we were like, "What are we doing?" Like, who? We had some fraudy feelings in the very beginning, like those first couple of of emails and talks that we had where we just sort of like laid it out. Like, here's what we want to do, but here's how I actually kind of feel about it. What do you think? And Kathleen would be like, Emily, it's fine. Or I'd be like, Kathleen, get over it. (laughs) Uh, I think we had a big fraudy feeling whenever we had a pretty big flop of an interview. Yeah. So I'm just going to tell people that it happened. I won't share details, but we had um, our first interview and There are lots of reasons not to air it, but um, it just didn't go well. I didn't feel like I had any sort of control over the interview. And I listen to a lot of podcasts, so I listen to a lot of really good interviewers. So I felt like a total fraud. Like, who do I think I am? I can't even keep control of this conversation. There were also, like, tech problems and some other stuff that went awry. The universe said, don't air it. The universe (laughs) said, don't air it. And so even after that, like my confidence was shaken. And so I would say like having the support system of Emily, like having a partner. And I know that a lot of you don't have um, business partners. That's whenever you need to tap the rest of your creative pack. If you don't have a creative pack, get on our Facebook group because it's happening there. Everyone is so supportive there. Um, and you will make friends in real life from that group too, but you have to find a creative pack where you can share these feelings of insecurity so that you can get those self doubts out Mm -hmm. and just be done with it. Yeah. Well, and I also think just, I guess a finalish note on, on these fraudy feelings is something that you said in a previous episode about how, like, um, how you have to create these pathways in your brain and self-doubt is something you train yourself to do over time. It's simply something that you begin as a child or actually maybe a little past childhood because you don't have as much self-doubt as a child. Um, but it's one of those things that you pick up and you just keep doing forever. And it's just one of those things you have to train yourself to like get over it. Like whatever self-doubt you're feeling is just fear that you have to shove in the back of your head and move forward anyway. Um, that, like, and, and I'll say, and you too, like, I don't feel like a fraud very much anymore. Like, occasionally, whenever I look at my big dreams, I do, um, because they're big dreams. But but on a daily basis, I don't. Like, I'll send out emails. I will tell people, like, last year, I, um, last year I changed my web design project from about 7000 um, for a project. And I jumped that price up to 24000 And at that moment, I felt like a fraud because I was doing 12-month engagements, and they were $24,000. I sold four of them. And, like, that is, like, I felt So you're, like, like done for the year. Yeah, like, pretty much. And so, like, just knowing that whatever those self-doubt feelings that you have are, put them aside and move forward because that's whenever really crazy, amazing things happen. I had crazy self-doubt whenever I launched Indie Boom. I erased every product and service that I did in my business and replaced it with one program that came in six and 12 months. And um, I sold more of those 12 months, 24 package or $24,000 design packages than I did the, tw- or the six month ones. So it's just about like, just get over it. <laughs> I think, um, and I think that the reason why we don't feel like frauds so much anymore is because we've done a lot of work and we've had a lot of success and we've had many failures. And whenever you have that much stuff happening, like that's just a byproduct of doing the work is that you will have successes and you will have failures. And, um, over time you will learn, you'll just learn how to cope with the feelings and you'll be able to reframe them and get into a different mindset where you can use those feelings to fuel your business. Yeah. I mean, at this point, if I ever feel fraudy feelings, um, I almost take that as a sign that I'm doing something right. Like, because I'm dreaming big enough or I'm doing something crazy enough that is going to like put me on the map or not. I mean, this podcast being a perfect example, like if we 
if we had kept with those fraudy feelings, we would not have this podcast. Um, but because we were able to set them aside and do it anyway, like we're reaching tons of people and helping so many people with their on- with their entrepreneurial journey. <laughs> and I think also though, like every time, every time we hang up off of this podcast, we always have a little bit of a vulnerability hangover. Yeah. But guess what? It doesn't <laughs> stop us. Like we keep moving forward anyway because right. we kind of just give ourselves permission to suck. So if you feel like a fraud, <laughs> just give yourself permission to suck and keep going. Yeah, we're all human and mistakes happen. And like ourselves aside, like think of anyone that you think of anyone that you admire, whether that is Marie Forleo or Gary Vee or I don't know, Tony Robbins is someone who's in my actually both of our brain banks yeah. at the moment. Like those sorts of people, they didn't let self doubt stop them and they did not and I'm goodness knows they probably all felt fraudulent <laughs> at one point. Um, but it's just it's picking up and doing it anyway, just to see what happens because you can always test and change. Nothing in life is unfixable. If you like what you've heard here today, you might like checking out some of our one on one services and digital products. I have a DIY coaching for creatives email series. It's $40 for four weeks of content delivered straight to your inbox. You can buy it anytime, learn more, and see if it's a fit for you at braidcreative.com. And if you're a creative entrepreneur who's ready to step up your online game with a cohesive and strategic brand and website that totally rocks your socks and makes it easy for your dream customer to buy you, visit me at Indie Shopography and our one-on-one engagement Indie Boom, where we work with you to build an online presence that's tailored specifically to you and your business. And the best part is that we do many of these projects in partnership with Kathleen and Brig Creative to pull in their branding and business visioning expertise. So you get the best of both of our worlds and just the tools you need to build your dreams. You can find us at IndieShopography.com. All right. Thank you all for listening to Being Boss from Emily Thompson and Kathleen Shannon. Find our show notes for this episode at lovebeingboss.com. You can listen to past episodes and subscribe to new episodes on our website, at iTunes, and on SoundCloud. If you like our podcast, please show us some love by reviewing Being Boss on iTunes and sharing it with a friend. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week. Like, I mean, just eye bags. Like, to pack them up for your next vacation. (laughs) I'm going to New Orleans tomorrow. I can just, like, yeah. You know, you got two carry ons right there. I hope they fit. I hope they don't exceed the limit. (laughs) No.